Good morning. Morning. Take your Bibles and turn over to the New Testament book of Colossians. We are continuing our study in that little passage of Scripture. I had uh, dinner the other day with uh, Bob and Marie Partridge. Uh, and one of the questions that Bob asked. Those uh, young folks that want to go back to the class back here. Okay. Well, the question that Bob asked is, um, how do you choose your sermon, next sermon for next next week? Is it hard to do that? And I said, well, no, it's not hard to choose because we go through the Bible, one book, one verse at a time and so we just take the next verse but that doesn't make it easy it makes it harder in one sense because you have to stick with what the verse says and you kind of communicate what it says and in the case of the passage that we're in today in the book of Colossians we're going to be looking at what Paul is telling the church there and talking about uh, the church and the walk how they walk which is a way of discussing their progress in life and uh, for me when i talk about the example of a christian walk and how we act i'm always aware of my own walk my own life and the shortcomings in my life um we were talking about people being ill and sick and realizing how vulnerable we are and we are vulnerable and we are very dependent i'm aware of that as i get older become the older i get the more aware I've become of my uh, frailty in one sense and vulnerability. You see me hobbling around because I have uh, my right foot. That's a, I don't know if it's arthritis or what, but I have my knees taken care of and now my foot's starting to give me a little pain. That's all right, no big deal. We have new bodies one day. But the point is that um, with these old bodies are wearing out and you know that you just can't, you can't take your relationship with the Lord and put it on the back burner and expect to just go through life with an easy way and then come back years later and pick it back up and take it where you left off. It doesn't work that way. You can't do it. Bible says God's not mocked. Um, he never makes a mistake. He is always good, but he's also holy. And his holy standard uh, will not let you or me into his presence with sin in our lives. He's undertaken to take care of that. And uh, we are so, I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. So you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians. And we started, uh, we were going through the first eight verses. In those first eight verses, Paul has been expressing his desire for that church. Remember that in our day, if you want to go to a church or talk to a church, you go to a town, you get the yellow pages or whatever, maybe look up on the, in newspapers and find where the church is that you want to go to, what you feel most comfortable with, or whatever. But back then, uh, there were no churches other than when uh, a person who uh, came to know the Lord, in our case here, would be Epaphras, and he came to an, another area and would talk to people about their faith, and there would be a small group of believers who would receive the gospel and begin to grow, and that would be the church in that area. And it was small, usually it would meet in the home, and um, the apostles were kind of the voice of authority in 
those early days established by Jesus. And um, Paul happened to be in prison about 1,300 miles away from where this church was. This church was uh, started by Epaphras who probably received the gospel and gave his life to the Lord under the influence of the church at Ephesus and the ministry of Paul. But as Epaphras began to work with the church in Colossae, which Paul was now sent to prison in Rome, it's about 1,300 miles separation, began to work with the church, there were some problems that began to develop. And so Epaphras, uh, because it's that important to him, goes that takes that trip about 1,300 miles to Rome to visit Paul in prison and ask him. And Paul's response is this letter that he's writing back to the church. You're aware that there's a lot of work involved in that. You're aware there's a lot of prayer involved in that. You're aware there's a lot of struggle or concern because Epaphras and Paul both are concerned for the church. The church is in the middle of a, an area where there's a lot of influence that's unchristian, that's un, ungodly, a lot of uh, people trying to deceive and lead people astray. So there is a there is kind of a danger there, and uh, there's a lot of concern. And so Paul is writing this letter. And after in the first eight verses, he just expresses his concern there, and, and he's glad, glad for the church there and for the work, and he's praying that their love would be productive. He starts out in our verse 9, we, and you can follow along with me in the Colossians 1, 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it. Now, stop there when you're reading the scriptures. The text tells us about something. It says, Paul is saying, when the day we heard of it, you have to ask the question, heard of what? And so you back up and you find out he's talked about since he's heard about the love that they had for all the saints and the work that has begun there and the work of Epaphras and the church responding to the gospel. He's just happy about that. So his response here in this verse is Paul is saying, I'm really, really going to be praying because of that and asking the Lord to, to, to work there. The day that we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you. We really held you up in prayer. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think probably I have this trained with you as it is with me, but prayer is a hard thing. And it takes a lot of effort. And the reason it's a hard thing is because there's no one there to pat you on the back or to give you credit or recognition. I guess we sort of like to have our name on the marquee or in the bulletin or something that gives us recognition. But Jesus talked about people that prayed, stand on the street corner and boasted about themselves and prayed to God audibly so that everybody could hear and be impressed with their prayers. And Jesus said the reward for their praying has already come. That if you want to hear from God and you want the Lord to answer your prayer and to respond to your prayer, get alone with him. Get in a closet by yourself on your knees before, your, before the Lord and pray to him. And the Lord who sees you in secret will reward you or answer or respond openly and you'll see the difference in your life and you'll see the difference in what you're praying for because there is a God on the throne. We've been talking about that this morning. There is a God on the throne and he is loving and he is concerned and he is powerful. And while there are many times that we pray and we don't see what we want, the Lord has promised to answer the prayers according to his will, not ours. Our will, I know, we think we know what's best. I know what's best. No, we don't know what's best. God does. He doesn't make a mistake. So 
with that in mind, here is Paul and he's praying. And he starts out by saying, I've been praying for you and ask to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We looked at this last time, so I don't want to belabor it too much. But he, when he says fill there, he's a word that has the idea of being controlled. And he says, I'm just praying for you that you will be controlled uh, with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'm praying that you will, you will be under the control of this knowledge. The word knowledge there is the word full knowledge. Uh, it means a, a, an intimate, experiential, a vibrant knowledge. You don't have that when you're born. It is something that comes if a person is regenerate. If, it, if the Lord opens your heart and gives you understanding, otherwise it becomes religion. Uh, you have lots of opinions. People have opinions like noses. Everybody's got one. You have lots of ideas. But the place you get real knowledge is from the Lord and from the scripture. And so Paul is saying, I am praying that you will be controlled with this, this full knowledge, this knowledge that is that transcends um, your limitations. He's, he give me an illustration of that word, just so you can see how it's used. Uh, in Romans 10, 2, Paul is talking about uh, the Jewish people. He said, I testify about Jewish people in their religion. He's talking about them. He said that they have a zeal for God, but that zeal is not in accordance with knowledge. And that's the same word. The zeal, the religion of the Jews is not according to full knowledge. Um, that they their their knowledge is more superstitious their religion has become has been built up with tradition but it's not based on the full knowledge and understanding of what god is doing and who he is and so you can have a religion based on tradition based on experience makes you feel good maybe you like the things that are being said but it it doesn't have to be unless it's based on the scriptures on the truth um, it can be superstition Superstition, you could define as beliefs, principles, actions that are based upon ignorance. Faith is belief and principles which find their basis in the word and you act upon it. You see what I'm saying is really very important. And so here is a difference that he's saying they have a full knowledge. They, their religion is not based on full knowledge. It's based on tradition, if you will. But Paul says sort of the same thing uh, when he talks about God's wrath in Romans 1 being revealed from heaven and God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men and he talks about how the sinfulness of man has led God to give them over to sexual perversion and uh, sexual orgies and all kinds of extremes and finally he says this perversion of man uh, says that they just just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. God gave them over to extreme depravity, to do the things that are not proper. They're filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, etc., etc. What I want you to see there in that verse is when it says, just as he, they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. That word acknowledge is the word epignosis. It's the word full knowledge. What he's saying here is that this sinful world, these sinful people, these, this rebellious climate of this world system is against having a full, vibrant knowledge of the Lord. It doesn't have that. 
You see what I'm saying? It's it's living in superstition. It's living in in uh, tradition, perhaps, but it's not based on full knowledge. So here is Paul, and he's simply saying here in this text uh, with these people, he's saying that I'm asking that you be filled or controlled with the full knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to handle life and to, to walk in a way that uh, you deal with life in a wise manner and to deal with it according to God's wisdom, God's word, God's truth. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you will have this full knowledge um, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding are the two words. The, the modifier for that is the word spiritual. It's not just the ability to handle life, but it's the ability to handle life in the realm of the spirit, in the supernatural realm. There's a physical realm. You know, I'm sure you're aware of, of knowing that, that, that we have a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. And he's talking about things relating to the spirit. And he's saying, I'm praying that you will have this full knowledge and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is the ability to handle life. Understanding is pulling those things together in a logical and intelligent manner and being able to use them and to, to follow them. So that's where we were. We left off last time. Paul is praying that you would have this, this knowledge, if you will, this, this um, full knowledge and that it would control you and uh, that uh, you would walk in a manner uh, that you would have a spiritual wisdom and understanding and that he goes on to say, and this is where we're going now, that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. Word walk, and I know we're moving kind of slow, but it's, it's kind of nice to get an idea of these terms because it helps us to digest them. The word walk is used several ways in the New Testament. Usually, or in a normal way that you and I would think of it, is it just means to walk. Um, it's used, for example, of Jesus walked by the sea and he saw the disciples and he stopped and stepped into a boat and started preaching. Uh, it's also used, same word used of Jesus walking on the sea when he came by night and the disciples were in the boat and he was walking, it was dark. And they could just barely make out something and they, it turns out it was Jesus and he was walking on the sea. Um, it's used of um, the lame man who was, who was lame and couldn't walk and he was healed and he got up and started walking around. Um, it's used of the paralytic and the Lord told him to take up his pallet and walk. Uh, it's used of the Jews who like to walk around and they're among the people and show off their, their greatness by their robe, long robes and fancy clothes they like to show off. Right? It's used that way. But it's also used um, to speak of a progress of life, not just a physical walk, but a, a progression. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, what does that mean when it says we walk by faith? It, it, it means in our life, walking, and, and this will help you remember that, walking can be understood by just recognizing that it means taking one step after another step by step by step and in the christian life we go through life and make progress in life one step at a time one step at a time maybe you've noticed that a lot of times you want the lord to do something for you that's a long way down the road but it usually takes a little while to get there and we the bible says we walk 
by faith and not by sight. In Galatians, Paul says, walk by the spirit and you will not under any circumstances carry out the desires of the flesh. That's a very good verse, right? Galatians 5, 16. You might want to note that in your Bible uh, because um, it's a guarantee that if you're, we, we are tied down to the flesh, the flesh is that uh, lustful part of our system that likes to do our own things. And I am, I'm, I struggle with that just like you do too. And, uh, but uh, we walk, we can walk in the flesh to satisfy the desires of the flesh, or we can walk step by step in dependence upon the spirit of God. That's what Paul talks about when he says to be filled with the spirit, it means to be controlled by the spirit. We walk by faith, we walk in the spirit step by step so that each step you take, you are walking in the spirit. In Romans 6, 4, Paul is talking about after the resurrection that we walk in newness of life. That we take one step at a time in life, through life, making progress in a new life and a new dependence upon the Lord. It's a new life, a new walk. And so we do that. In Romans 6, 4 also, Paul says we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So these are passages that talk about that, that talk about our, how, our, how we walk, how we depend upon the Lord, how we make progress um, in him. Um, Ephesians, Paul writes, you will walk no longer as Gentiles also walk in the futility or the emptiness of their mind. And that means that he's holding the Jews up and the Gentiles and he's saying that we don't want to walk as the Gentiles did in an emptiness. That's what futility means, an emptiness or a vanity of our minds. So our text here is that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Worthy has to do with what is proper, what is deserving, when he says we make progress, uh, we walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Let me give you several verses and then, and then we'll stop here. Now, this is important to see. There's several places where the phrase in a worthy, in a worthy manner appear in the New Testament, exact same phrase. One of them is in Romans 16, 1 and 2. And in that passage, it's talking about Phoebe. And Paul is writing the church about Phoebe, and he's going to encourage the church to respond to Phoebe as a servant of the Lord. Servant is a, is a word that's very closely linked to, in fact, it's the same, you put it down as a deaconess of the church. Here's Phoebe. She's a, she's a highly respected person. Um, and Paul writes in Romans 16, he says, I commend you, our sister Phoebe, who is a servant or deaconess of the church, which is at Censoria, that you receive her in the Lord, watch this, in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may need you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Receive her, that means to roll out the, if you will, the red carpet uh, recognition and respect for here's somebody who's taken her life and her energies and her effort, and she's given a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of energy to the Lord and to the church, and she's put a lot into it. And so she is she is worthy of your respect to do that to her. You know, we show respect to people when we when we know that they have done a lot of good and that they have sacrificed a lot, and that's what he's saying is receive her in a manner if you will, that is worthy of the saints, is worthy of that. 
because she is a person that's worthy. That's one place where that word, word is used, to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Another verse is in verse Ephesians 4, 1 and 3, where Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now he's talking about the, cha the saints. And I'm encouraging you and I'm writing you and telling you to um, walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. What is that calling? That's God's calling in your life. That's his calling for your, for your following him, for your pursuing him and seeking him. What does that mean? It means that that's, that's a calling that, that requires that we seek to walk in a certain way. We live in a certain way. That, that is a hard thing sometimes for me. That's why I was talking to earlier that, that we have a standard that we put out, but I have to follow that standard too. We all do. That's what, that's what makes our, our ministry effective. Uh, if I'm a parent and I'm preaching all kinds of, of strong messages in the church, but at home, my life is falling apart. My kids are going to know it. My wife's going to know it. You know what I'm saying? So you need to be real. You need to be genuine, both publicly and privately. And that's what he's saying. He's talking here. He says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He goes on to say, with all humility and gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So that's a, that's a walk. That's a walk that is worthy of the calling. That is a walk that we should follow that is worthy of the high calling because it is a high calling. I remember when I was working at Billmore Press, um, there was a friend of mine there that worked at Don Denmark. He's, he's dead now, but he worked there and he, he wasn't a believer. I talked to him, but he wasn't a believer, but he used to talk to me. And a new worker came in to work there. And um, I didn't know what that I mean. I, 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 I think I had heard that he was a preacher, but I, I don't know. I don't remember a lot about him, but I do remember this, that Don came to me one day later on he says, uh, Peter, don't you think that a, a Christian should pray before they eat their meal? I said, well, yeah, I guess I usually ask the Lord's blessing on the food when I do that. He says, well, this guy didn't. He just went in and sat down and started eating his food and talking and never said a word of prayer or anything about it. Well, I thought that was very interesting that he was watching him. That he, he kept an eye on him and he was just noticing him. And it's true. If people know that you... You profess to be a believer, they watch. They they look at your life and they want to see what's going on. And you can you can discredit your testimony just like that and ruin it. And it takes a long time, I think, of faithfulness to build up a good testimony. And so um, he's saying here to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which you've been called, calling to the ministry, calling to follow the Lord. Another one is in Philippians 1:21. Um, Paul writes, I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire, here you go, the attention, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, that's very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus 
through my coming to you again. Now, I'm going to stay and I'm going to be here and I'm going to be working with you. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that when I come, I will see you and remain absent and I will hear of you and you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he's just saying I, you should, should conduct yourselves. That's not the word walk, that's conduct, conduct, but that has the same thing. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And you get the idea that if you if you say you belong to the Lord, if you have embraced the gospel, there's a responsibility on your shoulders and on my shoulders to live in a way and walk in a way that is consistent. That testimony. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is really important. And so he's, he, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm imploring you to walk in a manner or conduct yourselves in a manner that is consistent with your calling, if you will. One more verse is in First Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, For you were called, brethren, our labor and hardship, our working night and day, so as not to be a burden of any of you. We, we proclaim to you the, our, the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were encouraging and exhorting and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his, king, his own kingdom and glory. Again, here is this call to walk in a manner worthy. This time it's a worthy, it's a call to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Paul has been encouraging and imploring them and that, uh, as his children to do this, to, to walk in a manner. So here it is, at, three, at least three places, there is one more that I'm gonna read in just a minute that talks about walking in a manner that is how step-by-step step in your life, walking in a manner that is worthy of the, of the Lord, that is consistent with what you profess. Is your life consistent with that? Is my life consistent? I have to ask myself the question. I tell you, it's not sometimes. It really isn't. There are things that, I, that go through my mind and things that I can pursue that, that are not pleasing, and I have to confess those things to the Lord and bring them before the Lord because I have feet of clay, and I know you do too, but we want to. We want to really be pleasing to the Lord and consistent. You see what I'm saying? With the Lord, to be consistent in that call. That's what he's saying, to have this walk that is worthy of the Lord. One more verse that uh, I will read to you, and that's in 3 John. And in 3 John, John writes, Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they're strangers. They have testified to you, to your love of the truth. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. And so here he's talking about sending those who are servants and are serving the Lord to send them on the way that is worthy of God. For they were, they went out, uh, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. He's just talking, about, and then we try to do that with missionaries and things like that. We try to support them and try to encourage them in a manner that is worthy of God. I heard years ago, long time ago, my wife told me of a church was having a missions conference and people were, were making, uh, they were encouraging people to, to uh, make donations to help the missionaries. But one couple brought, um, I think it was five or six used tea bags that they'd used only once. And they, what they usually did is they were 
they were poor, and so they would use a tea bag three or four times. And they just they only used it one time and brought them in. And uh, I guess it could be said that they were doing the best they could in a way, but it just seems it seems kind of unworthy to bring somebody and give them some used tea bags, even if they've only been used one time. You know what I'm saying? Just pray for them and uh, maybe give them five or six new ones that have not been used. You see what I'm saying? Um, when you're sending people and when you're commending people to the ministry like that, you want to do it in a, in a way that is worthy of the calling because that is a high calling. It is a very important calling. Now, let me close up with this. This passage here, our passage in Colossians says, For this reason also, Paul said, I've been praying for you since the day you heard of it. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask for you to be filled with the, this full knowledge of his will, all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. That idea then, Paul is saying, I'm praying for you that your walk, your step by step, your daily conversation in life will be in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. He's praying that for this new church there in Colossae, the church that Paul has never visited before, and that Paul has heard about them from Epaphras, and yet he's been praying and they've been bringing those issues before the Lord. This is a battle. This is a hard part of the ministry. It's an important part of the ministry. You have kids. You love your kids, you pray for your kids, you want to serve, serve them, and you spend hours sometimes praying for them. You spend a lot of work and money sacrificing for the people. That's kind of, kind of the same thing in the church here. Paul is working with this, this church and trying to get started working with them. But Paphras had taken some interest in, in the church, and he had brought these messages to Paul, these concerns of his. So Paul is writing them back, and he's been praying and investing time in prayer for the church because it's a body of people and they're united together in Christ, and it's really important. That's the same thing here. We're a family, and we love the Lord, and we want to serve him, and we want to support each other and hold each other up and to encourage each other. It's really, really important. That's one of the things that we've been, we've been talking about as we've been seeking the Lord's direction uh, to how to reach out. That's one reason why we do the Environment Bible Study, is that we have an informal study where we can gather around, and we can talk about issues and talk about these things in the light of what we know the scripture says and how we can encourage each other how we can provide answers for each other because we're, our world is in trouble we're falling apart there's a lot of lot of things that are very discouraging and a lot of red flags that go up when you watch the news a lot of violence that's going on in the city a lot of morals that are being completely overturned and turned around and it's kind of scary in a way but god rick talks about it he's right god is on the throne he's sovereign Nothing is out of control with him. And he knows how to work. He knows how to get our attention. And he's doing what he wants to do um, in our midst. So here is this church. Paul is praying that, um, that they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And notice that this is, this is um, I guess it's a, it's a kind of a, a, a qualitative direction for that. That he says, I'm praying that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. So that our, our walk is a walk that is seeking to please him in all respects. And I, I do ask you this question, and I ask myself the question when you get up in the morning and you have a day, and you have, you know, I always say, don't ask myself, what am I going to do? You know, what, what am I getting ready to do now? Because I've got lots of things on the plate, things I need to do. To do. 
Plus I've got these cats that take a lot of time. Yeah. Just a lot of things that, that can be distracted. And uh, always asking yourself, what am I gonna do? But the question probably that I try to, or at least I think it's most important is what does the Lord want me to do? How can I please him today? What is necessary to please him today? And you know, honestly, usually the first one or two things that cross my mind are the things that I would not necessarily want to do. I'd want to do something else. You understand what I'm saying? But the things that are the, the most difficult that, that that are God's will are the things that give you the energy to finish other things. If you get those things out of the way, um, then you seem, at least I do, I seem to have energy that's more motivation to, to accomplish other things. And I think it's, it's, it's really important. First thing I always do is I get my coffee and then I get down and, and I have to feed the cats. I will say that they, they have to be fed. They will not leave me alone if I don't finish. I feed the cats, get the coffee, get my Bible and sit down on the bed and do my reading. And I'm getting back to that. I've kind of laid that aside for several months. And, uh, not laid it aside, but very, very limited uh, because of some pressures. But I've been getting back to that and doing those things. And it's really, it's very important. It is important, and it is important to walk in a manner where they can. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't mean to hold myself up as an example. I am an example, I know that, but I'm not I'm not the example you need to follow. Jesus is the example. Paul said to follow me as I follow Christ. And so this is really important. So he says here, and I'll close, he says here again, talking about this, this, this walk, he says, I'm praying um, that you will be filled or controlled with the full knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That knowledge will precede the worthy walk. Have that knowledge so that you will walk step by step in a manner that is worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. That's really important. It's maybe easier said than in fact, I know it's easier said than done, but it's really important. Let's pray. Father, do thank you this word and i pray as we're we're listening, listening to this and people have been very attentive that uh we, we won't we won't let us push it out but out of our minds or whatever but that we'll take that seriously that you'll speak to our hearts i pray that you'll help us to be really live a life that is pleasing to you that is worthy of this calling this walk that that we have the gospel is such good news and it's such a powerful message and you've made it clear that it is the power of God unto deliverance for us. And we so desperately need it and our world needs it so desperately. And so help us to be effective forces these days and times for you and that you use us in a way that be effective and glorify the Savior. We want to honor him. We want to have that first love in our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to do that. We can't crank it up. I can't crank it up. I know that. I know it has to be you that produces it. I pray that you'll do that in my life and do that in our lives and that you will be honored and glorified in us and through us and use this church for your glory. Thank you for this time and we pray in Jesus' name. Thanksgiving.